Happy Easter, everyone. Amen. Can we do something tonight? The worship team, they just did a great job tonight in helping us experience the presence of Christ. Can we give them a big hand tonight? Can we thank them? We want to thank you for being here tonight. I see many faces that I recognize from our preschool, and we want to thank all of our preschool families for being here. If you came from a postcard or for a flyer or from someone invited you, I want to just say thank you. We're honored that you're here tonight. We love first-time things, and at City Church, it's not the first time that we've had an Easter service, but it's the first time that we've done Easter service on Saturday night. So just go ahead and give yourself a big hand for saying a first time. Amen. Our church family, our church family loves it when new people come to our church. Our church family loves it when the mission that God has called us to, to bring his love to the city, is fulfilled. And I believe tonight um, there are a group of people, there are a group of people that are here, that you are the reason that we exist as a church. You're the reason that we exist, because we believe that God does love you. Not only does God love us, but the Bible says that God loves the world. Because of that, we love to give. We love to give. God's given us his very best. He's given us his son, Jesus. And when we become Christians, there's something in our hearts that just loves to give. And Easter is like no other service for us as a Christian because this is our greatest day of the year. And we take a special offering every year at Easter. You guys could put up the slide. There's a PowerPoint working. Put up the global church slide. Uh, in February this year, there were a team of us that went to Cuba. And we partnered with about four or five other churches uh, around the southeast that are building the largest evangelical church in the country of Cuba that's ever been built. It's actually in the city of Havana. And uh, it's the first building, it's the largest building that's been built since the uh, Castro Revolution of 1959. And there was a team of us from our church that went there and worked on this project and were committed to seeing this project through. The people of Cuba, they make about $16 a month. $16 a month. And they're generous people and they love to give, but they're not able to do what they need to do. And so because we have an abundance in America, we're able to come alongside and say, we believe in the mission that Christ has called us to. We believe in what God's called you to. And so tonight, our church people are prepared to receive a special offering called the Glocal Church Offering. We're also receiving our tithe and offerings. A portion of this offering tonight will go to our Cuba project, and a portion of the offering tonight will go to take care of some needs right here in this church. And we have some new flooring that we want to do right here in this building over in the round building we're looking at updating and remodeling the building over the round where our preschool is at so the offering we receive tonight part of it is designated towards those two projects our ushers are going to come at this time and we're going to receive our offering i i love to give our church family loves to give and everything that's happened this weekend all the outreach all the flyers all the easter egg stuff everything that takes place is because there are people who really believe this Paul the Apostle said in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, can you put the verse up for me? He said, each one of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Everyone say, cheerful. And tonight we give cheerful. I'm just going to pray blessing over the gift and the giver tonight. Can you bow your heads as we pray? Father, I thank you tonight for the generosity of this great church. Thank you for the city church family that believes in the mission that you've called us to as a, church, as a church family. And I thank you that your grace is upon every person here. Father, we thank you that you prepared our hearts tonight. And this 
Resurrection Weekend. We are so grateful for all that you've done for us. We're so grateful for the work that you've done in our hearts to bring change and transformation. Because of that gratitude, we purpose in our heart to give back to you. And I bless the giver tonight. I bless every person who would give. And this special resurrection offering, I thank you for the church family that's going to give above and beyond. Give generously so that we can help meet the needs not only in our church, but in other places around the world. Bless your people tonight, Jesus, in your wonderful and awesome name. Amen. God bless you as you give tonight. that song honor of a lonely heart without Christ in our life tonight our lives are lonely without Christ centering being the center and the rule of our lives our lives are missing the greatest gift the greatest joy the greatest peace this week this weekend is the conclusion of a week-long celebration here at City Church starting with last Sunday where we had the triumphal entry of Christ into Jerusalem. It was called Palm Sunday. If you've grown up in a Christian church or you've been around Christianity, even if you just watch the news. I mean, people make pilgrimages to Jerusalem. People all over the world focus on this Holy Week. Christianity is the largest religion in the world. But Christ didn't come to establish a religion. He came to establish a people who would be in right relationship with him. Last Sunday, as we talked about Christ's entry into Jerusalem, the significance that it meant to those people, they completely misunderstood. They completely misunderstood what Jesus came to do. Jesus came for a very clear mission, and that was to fulfill the Father's plan. And on Wednesday night this last week here at City Church, we we celebrated Maundy Thursday. Maundy Thursday is the night that Jesus had the Passover meal. This Holy Week is actually just kind of a, a glimpse of what took place in the life of every good Jew that lived in the time of Christ. Jesus was a Jew, and all of his followers were Jewish. And once a year, a good Jew, everything within him would try to make it back to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover. Passover was significant to the Jewish people because it represented their birth as a nation, their birth as a people. God had made a promise to their forefather some 36 
hundred years ago and said, I will bless you. and I will make you the father of many nations. And Passover represents when God took them out of Egypt where they had been slaves for 400 years. Birthed them as a nation and as a people. Where they experienced deliverance and freedom from the tyranny, the oppression of being under the cruel, cruel hand of a brutal dictator. His name was Pharaoh. And then Friday night, last night, we had Good Friday. Wow. And it's Good Friday. The cross, the cross of Jesus Christ is good news to those who are perishing. It's good news to you and I tonight. Because everything that Jesus lived for, everything that motivated him to come to earth was for one purpose. And that was to give his life for you. He did it for you. He loved you. As a matter of fact, when he hung on the cross, he said these words, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. What motivated Christ was love. Eli, 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 Sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In that moment, the Bible says that he breathed his last breath and he gave up his spirit. And this is where all of history changed. And this is why we're here tonight. We are here tonight because somewhere between that final breath and tomorrow morning, Jesus rose from the dead. Somewhere between that final breath and tomorrow morning, Jesus rose from the dead. It's a red letter day. Everyone say red letter day. And the church for over 2,000 years, the way that Christians identified themselves in the early church, because it wasn't always popular, it wasn't always okay to be a Christian, it wasn't even okay to have the title Christian. For in this period after Christ rose from the dead, and for the next 200 years in the Roman Empire, if you were a Christian, you could be killed. And there were many Christians that were killed, that were persecuted and martyred for their faith. And so they would meet a fellow traveler along the road, and they would say something like this, He is risen! And the response back, if they were a fellow believer, would be, He is risen indeed. And so we're going to practice that tonight. Can we do that? He is risen! Let's try that one more time. He is risen! He is risen indeed. It's a red-letter day for Christians, because Jesus is alive. I want to read the story to you found in Mark's Gospel, chapter 16. If you could stand with me tonight for the reading of God's Word. Mark's Gospel, chapter 16, we're going to read verses 1 through 11. And we're just going to get a little glimpse. All four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record this story. They all have a little different take. They all have a little different perspective. But I've chosen Mark's story tonight. Mark's recount, recounting of the story because I believe that there's a significant phrase in there for you and I tonight. And it represents something that they handed you when you walked in to this room. And the Bible says, when the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James and Salome, brought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. And very early on the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. And they asked each other, who will roll the stone away? Say that with me. Who will roll the stone away from the entrance of the tomb? And when they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had been rolled away. And as they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side. And they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he said. You are looking for Jesus the Nazarene 
who was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. See the place where they laid him? But go tell his disciples and Peter, he is going ahead of you in Galilee. And there you will see him, just as he told you. Trembling and bewildered, the women went out and fled from the tomb. They said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. And when Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven out seven demons. And she went and told those who had been with him and who were mourning and weeping. And when they heard that Jesus was alive and they had not and they had seen him, they did not believe it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you. I thank you. The cross wasn't the end. I thank you that your sin, living a sinless life wasn't the end. But you came to give life. You're the author of life. And death couldn't hold you down. The grave couldn't hold you captive. And Lord, on that day, you arose again. You arose and you're alive. And for that reason tonight, we've gathered together to sing songs of worship and praise and thanksgiving. And I pray for every person that's here today. I pray, God, that you will speak to their hearts. Jesus, as you've spoken to my heart, and believers around the world, that you truly are the God who saves, the God who's alive, and you're the God who changes the human heart. We welcome you here tonight. Lord, I pray that everything I say, Lord, I pray that everything I say will be used by you when it goes into the ears of the hearers. And they won't be my words that will become your words tonight. And I ask this in Jesus' wonderful and mighty name. And everyone said, Amen. You may be seated. You have a rock in your hand. You should have a rock in your hand. How many of you don't have a rock? All right. I've got a couple guys right here who don't have a rock. Uh, one of the guys tonight when I was greeting, he said, you better preach good because i got a rock in my hand. And if you don't, I can stone you. So don't stone me. And like, listen, you start throwing rocks, i got four up here, all right? I give me time to get to the back room real quick. Uh, rocks have been a source of pain in my life. At least uh, one of the biggest whoopings I ever got in my life was the fault of a rock. It was the rock's fault. It wasn't my fault. It was the rock's fault. I was eight years of age, and my cousin had come from California, and, and I lived in I grew up in Arizona, Tucson, Arizona, and there are lots of rocks. It's not like growing up here and as a kid in Florida, and if you see a rock, it's like, you know, it's like your lucky day. You know, you've got to really look hard and long. You've got to go steal a rock off your neighbor's porch because there ain't no rocks around here. But where I grew up, there were rocks everywhere. And uh, we were <clears throat> playing out in the street, and we decided to see if, if, if we could throw a rock and hit the lamppost that was, you know, towering over the street. And there was a little button on that lamppost, supposedly. And if we hit it, it would cause the lid to that, the, the, that glass lens to pop down. So we decided that we would take rocks and we would throw it up at that glass lens to see if we could hit that button. Well, lo and behold, we never hit that button. But we did hit that glass lens. And that glass shattered all over the street. I mean, it just shattered. Uh, my cousin's mother was standing out in the front yard and she was watching us and and so she started yelling and screaming at us and what did you do and she brought us inside of the house and and she sent me to my room and she sent him to another room and she went to, uh, and proceeded to tell my mother on the way on the way to my room I was talking to my cousin I said your mom is really mean my mom would let me throw rocks at that glass lens 
Well, lo and behold, I didn't know that she actually overheard me say that, and she went and told my mother what I said, and I got the biggest whooping of my life. It was all the fault of a rock. You don't believe that, do you? <laughs> no. I mean, my mom, she, she believed, and she believed that she had a right to bring me an a inch from the, from the point of death of my life. She believed, as a mother, she could brought me into the world, and she could take me out of this world. The fact is that the rock in our lives tonight, the rock in our life, does have significance. The women, as they were going to the tomb to anoint the body of Jesus, asked this question. Who is going to move the tomb or the tombstone or the stone away? Who's going to move it away? Who's going to move the stone away? I want you to hold that rock in your hand just for a moment. I want you just to kind of feel it because all the rocks, I mean, although these are smooth rocks, they're all different shapes and they're all different sizes. Stones in your life and stones in my life are significant. Because a stone in your life can represent something that is blocking you from experiencing the life that God has for you. These women, these women knew that there was no way that they could move the stone on their own. It was impossible. It was too big. I mean, you can Google on the Internet. You can actually see what they believe to be the tomb of Jesus. And, and, and I actually had some friends that came back from, from Israel just a couple of weeks ago. They were showing me pictures of the tomb. And, and there's a stone. It's a huge, giant stone. I mean, it's, it's probably five feet in diameter. And it's, it's probably over a, a foot wide. And what they would do is they would, they would put this stone like in a little rivet. And, and they would slide that stone in place to block the entrance to that to that grave to that grave place and that stone that stone was impossible for them to move i mean two women no matter how hard they pushed on it no i mean no how even if they got all the roman guards that were guarding them guarding that stone that grave site there was no way that they'd be able to move that stone they couldn't do it on their own they couldn't do it our lives tonight i believe like this stone have the potential for things to block us, to stop us, to keep us from being able to be what God has created us to be. But here's the problem. Like when I was a little boy, I saw the stone as the problem and not me as the problem. I saw the stone. It was the stone's fault. If that stone wouldn't have been in the street, I would have never thrown it up at that lamppost. You know, the problems in our life, stones come in our life because of different reasons. Sometimes stones come in people's lives and the reasoning behind people stones in people's lives is because they just don't believe that there's a God. I mean, one of the biggest stones that enters into the human mind and the human thought is that there is no God. And if there is no God, there was no one to help me. And I must do everything on my own. If there is no God, I can live life any way that I want to live. And the problem with living with that kind of mindset and that kind of thought, the problem with that is that when stuff comes into our life, we have no one but ourselves to depend upon. And that's a problem. That is a problem. People who don't believe in God believe it's all up to them. And then there's people who believe it's all up to them. They believe that there's a God, but it doesn't really matter in their life. It doesn't really matter if there's a God or not a God. 
It's up to me. If it's going to be, it's up to me. It's trying to push through difficulties and push through challenges and pushing through obstacles in their life. They really are living like there is no God, whether or not they believe there's a God or not. Then there's people like these women. You know, they believed, but they didn't believe. They believed, but they didn't believe. There's a lot of religious people that believe in God. But they believe in a, a God of whom you may concern. My, my grandmother was Jewish. and I remember as a young man one time talking to her about Christ. And she said, I believe that all paths lead to God. I believe every road leads to God. You can, whatever religion you want to follow, whatever pathway you want to follow. I said, the problem with that, Grandma, I said, when you pray to that kind of God, you pray to whom it may concern. <laughs> You're not praying to the God who created you. You're not created to praying to the God who made you. And the fact is, when you pray to whom it may concern, you don't know. You really, really, really don't know. But tonight, tonight, these two women represent people whose lives were changed forever because the stone was rolled away. Talk about five stones potentially that come up in our life. I was one of the first one of the first things I was Tom and I this week we went and we were processing this service and talking about the challenges that we face in life. And I, I found over the years that one of the greatest stones, one of the greatest blocks in people's life is loneliness. It's loneliness. So well, how can you be how can I be lonely? I mean, there are two and a half million people that live in Central Florida. Listen, it doesn't matter how many people are out there. You could still be lonely inside. I, I remember about seven years ago, I was just going through a, a really dry patch of my relationship with God. And it was really challenging. I remember I was laying in bed one night and I just felt alone. Now, we're not supposed to feel that way. I'm a Christian. I'm a pastor. I stand up there every week and tell people, you know, God's for you. And God believes you. But I got to tell you, in that moment in my life, I felt alone. Loneliness brings lots of problems. Loneliness causes people to look for love in all the wrong places and look for love in all the wrong faces. I mean, loneliness loneliness causes people to do things and to go places and try to be people that they're not. Because they're trying to fill this void. There's something missing in their life. I started Googling all the songs this week that had to do with loneliness. Remember, the, and the Beatles wrote a really famous song, it's called, Look at All the Lonely People. Look at all the lonely people. And it was about a woman by the name of Ella Margaby. And it just went through her life. Basically, she lived her whole life from her birth to her death, and she was all alone. She was all alone. And there are a lot of people who live their life just that way. Our children's pastor, Dan Anderson, his father passed away this last week. He was 84 years of age. 84 years of age, and he he ne never accepted Christ as far as we know. And Dan told me, he said, one of the saddest things is I would tell my dad, I said, Dad, listen, Christ loves you. He died for you. And he would say, you know, he said, son, I've done too many bad things. I've done too many bad things. There's no way God could, could forgive me. At the age of 84, he was all alone. He was so empty in his life. Jesus made a promise. Jesus made a promise. He said, I will never leave you. I'll never leave you alone. The second stone that I see that comes into people's lives is the stone of doubt. It's the stone of doubt. One of Jesus' own disciples, his name was Thomas. 
in our circles, in the world of Christianity, for 2,000 years, he's been known as Doubting Thomas. He just couldn't believe. He just couldn't believe that Jesus had been risen from the dead. Just unless he could see it, unless he could see God, unless he could see him with his own eyes, he wasn't going to believe it. I mean, he believed in religion. He was a religious person, but he was a practicing atheist in that moment. The fact is, when our hearts are full of doubt, when our hearts are full of doubt, it keeps us from being able to see the stones of our life rolled away. Doubt, unbelief. Well, people will ask, how can I know which religion is the right one? How can I know, like Thomas, how do I really know that he's alive? How do I really know? Well, that's a fair question. That's a really fair question. But here, here's the difference. There's one fundamental difference between Christ and all the other people who have claimed to be or who have been proclaimed to be great world leaders or religious leaders. You can go to the tomb of Muhammad. You can go to his tomb and his bones will still cry, Here! If you could find the place where Moses was buried and you could stand on top of that place and you were to cry out to Moses who was the greatest leader in Jewish mindset and understanding. I mean, he is revered almost to the place of God, even to this day, 3,600 years later. You could call out to Moses. Moses, are you there? He would say, I'm here. I mean, you could go to Buddha and you could stand at the place of his grave and you could ask Buddha, Buddha, are your bones here? And he would say, I'm here. I mean, you, can, you could go to any of their graves go to any of their graves and they're going to cry out I'm here but if you go to the grave of Jesus guess what folks it's going to be empty because he's not in the tomb he's not in the grave he is risen from the dead just as he said that's what separates it and listen you have to believe listen Christ in physical body appeared to these men but he's not going to appear again until he comes again the saints. So we have to believe by faith. The third stone that I see in people's lives is the stone of guilt. The stone of guilt. So many people carry guilt around with them. So many people carry sin in their minds, in their thoughts, in their heart. The Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. What do I mean by this? I mean, so many people live guilty lives. And it's evident by the world that we live in. The depravity, the brokenness, the murder. So many people are living in the place of death. So many people are stuck on Friday. So many people are living in that place all over the world. I mean, right in our own backyard. So many people are stuck in the place of this kind of guilt. Minds play. We try all kinds of things to get rid of the guilt. We try all kinds of things to get rid of the guilt. We, we try to do good. You know, if I could just do good enough, I'll, I'll go to church this weekend and I'll get a new start. And the fact is, is that that doesn't fix your guilt. I mean, trying to be good doesn't do it. I, I remember as a young person, you know, I could get trouble or things weren't going right. I said, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do good. I'm going to try to do good. One time I had a girlfriend and my life was far from God. I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff and 
things were going sideways in my life and my work and my world. And she said, you know what? She said, you know what your problem is? You need to go to church. You need to go to church. And she told me. I said, all right, I'll go to church if you go to church. She said, okay, I'll go to church if you go to church. And so we went to church. I remember I went to church and nothing changed. I mean, for me, trying to do good and be good, that didn't make the difference in my life. Sometimes people try to try to pursue all kinds of pleasure, all kinds of things to hide, to wear a mask, no problem. I'm just going to party through this. It's all going to be okay. Sometimes people try to be religious. They try to be religious. They get baptized in a church. We've had a number of people come and say, you know, I was baptized over in this church, but I want to join your church. And I'll be baptized in your church. That religious act doesn't make you saved. Taking communion doesn't make you saved. That's not what changes your life. That's not what removes the stone of guilt in your life. The Bible says that whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. See, how are you saved? You've got to call out to your Savior. You've got to call out to the one who not only lived a sinless, perfect life, who died on the cross, and on the third day he was risen from the dead. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord. Jesus Christ, the Bible says, will be saved. Saved from what? Saved from carrying guilt. The guilt that so many carry around. The next stone that I see, it might be your stone. It's the stone of weakness. The fact is, we're all weak. Paul the Apostle said, God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things. The weak things. I'm a weak person. I am weak. But when I am, when I recognize I'm weak, then he can become strong. When you recognize that you really are weak, God uses those weak things in your life. This stone of weakness keeps so many trapped. I'll never achieve. I'll never amount. I can never do it. wonder why so many people are fascinated by the tabloids, by the entertainment tonight programs by the people magazines by the kind of following the latest band or the latest music hero or the latest movie star you know why because they're living their lives vicariously through these people because they feel like honestly they feel like they don't measure up they just don't i'm weak i can never do anything they look in the mirror they don't like the way they look they're too big they're too small they're too tall they're too short they're too green they're too yellow they're too red i mean whatever whatever it is Whatever the issues are in our life, we, we feel weak. We feel insignificant. And we are within ourselves. But when Christ comes in our life, when Christ comes and rules in our heart, we become strong. We're no longer powerless. As a matter of fact, Paul the Apostle said, Thanks be to God who causes us to triumph. God's created you to be strong. God's created you to be a victor. God's created you to overcome weaknesses of your flesh and things that keep you in bondage and things that keep you trapped and things that keep you uh, making wrong decisions, bad decisions, things that make you feel like a failure. God wants to take us from this place of weakness to a place of strength in Him. Not in our own strength, but a place of strength in Him. Then I see there's a stone of death. And this is the final stone. Paul the Apostle said, this stone of death is our final enemy. It's our final enemy. When you're in your 20s, hardly ever think about it. 
in my 20s, I'm living the rest of my life. Get to my 30s, still a long way off. Hit my 40s, turning 50 in just a couple of months. And I start having friends my age, 40s, 50s, 60s, take their last breath. That's real deal. You don't have a promise of tomorrow. <laughs> it, it is an enemy. Yeah. Have you ever walked into a place where a person's just died? You ever walked into the room? Just a couple of weeks ago, one of the women in our church, she went home to be with Jesus. And when I, I was standing there, she had just passed away just a couple minutes before. I was there literally. I had My wife and I were there right before she went, and then we left, and they called me as we were leaving. She said, Mom, has just passed away. We turned around, we came back. And I went into that room, and there was a woman who just a couple of moments before, there was breath, there was life. She breathed her last breath, and she was stiff. Every person that I've watched die, every person, every person that I've walked into the room right after they died, they all had their mouth wide open. Everyone had their mouth wide open. The spirit of that person left me. That's all I could think, just wide open. Skin color changes almost instantly. Everyone's stiff. The Bible says that Satan has come to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But Jesus said, I've come to give you life and to give it to you more abundantly. You see, Paul the Apostle said, Oh, death, where is thy string? Oh, grave, where is thy victory? But thanks be to God. Thanks be to God who causes us to triumph. Through our Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, give God a big hand tonight. So how do we move these stones out of our life? How do we move these stones out of our life? First of all, you got to look to Jesus. How do you, you got to look to Jesus. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse number 11, if the same spirit of one who raised Jesus from the dead, if that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead lives in you, he will what? He will quicken. He will strengthen. He will give life to your body, to your human body, through the spirit that lives in you. What happens when we receive Christ? What happens when we allow that stone to be removed from our life and allow Christ to come into our heart? Is that the spirit that raised Jesus, the resurrection power of God, that's more power than all the nuclear bombs combined together. It's more power than our solar system. It's more power than, than anything that man could ever fabricate or create. It's the power of God. It's the power of life. Christ raised from the dead. And when we accept him, that same spirit, that same power comes into us. And so we look to Jesus as our model. He's our source. See, the Bible says that Jesus, although he was fully God, did not demand and cling to his rights as God, but he laid aside his mighty power and glory, taking upon the disguise of a slave and becoming like men. Jesus is our model. Jesus chose to surrender his life. He chose to completely give up his will for the Father's will. He chose to say, Father, not my will, but your will be done. And that was the choice of surrender. There's a really famous uh, hip-hop star. His name is Lecrae. I want you to watch his testimony. I want you to hear as he talks about how God came to his life and how he surrendered his life to Jesus. Watch this tonight. 
When Lecrae was a small child, his father abandoned him and his mother. I wrestled with a sense of self-worth and, and, and am I even valuable uh, because my dad decided, you know, drugs would be better than hanging out with his own son or, or, or staying with me. He found a sense of belonging in the hip-hop culture on the streets. My uncles were young and um, wrapped up in the streets and, you know, gangs and drugs and, and just promiscuous and I idolized it. It was a, I mean, it was just a, I wanted to be the gang member my uncle was. I wanted every tattoo he had. You know, I saw my first gun and all these different things and I was like, man, this, is, this must be what it means to be a man. And I'm just sitting on their laps soaking all this stuff in like wow you know and so i was like you know a child of rap and hip-hop just seeing this world come up around me in his teens lecrae realized something was still missing i knew my ways were unfulfilling you know i chased power i chased pleasure i chased possessions i chased um, just something satisfying and i knew i kept getting let down i knew it was it was insanity and i was never going to find fulfillment, but I didn't know what else to look for. He kept a Bible in his car as a good luck charm. One night, police caught him trespassing and in possession of drugs. He was cuffed and sat in the police car waiting to go to jail. And the police officer goes in my car and he saw the Bible and he came back to the police car and he said, uh, son, you got a Bible in your car? And I said, yes, sir. He said, you know, you know what that Bible's about? And I was like, I need to. And uh, he said, well, you know what, I'll, today I'm going to let you go because I want you to get into that Bible and I want you to start living it. And that really did something to me and that really, that really rocked me. And I, I didn't want to get in any kind of trouble like that again. He joined some friends at a Christian conference where he heard what Jesus did for him on the cross. And he talked about Jesus, you know, carrying his cross on the mount on, on, on Golgotha and, and, um, and just the, the, the turmoil and the pain that Jesus went through. That Jesus would take all that on his own back floored me and I said I, I, I don't want to live like this anymore and um, and I just bowed out and said Jesus I'm sorry and just broke down crying. For a year Lecrae walked a line between college partier and committed Christian. His life was spinning out of control and he knew it. Just cried out to the Lord one day I said God I feel like um, I'm gonna kill myself or kill somebody and I said please just just stop me before it gets to that point. I said, stop me, do whatever you gotta do, just don't kill me. He was finally stopped in a massive car accident that left him evaluating his double life. I came out without a scratch. You know, my car had flipped over, it was dented in, damaged up, and here I am without a scratch on me. And I said, okay, God, I need to, I need to change. Later that night, he gave his life completely over to God. Oh, I was radically changed. To realize that I had been living a lie, to realize that I was unsatisfied and I would never be satisfied until I came to Jesus was so revolutionary for me that I wanted everyone to taste it. I wanted everyone to see how awesome God was. When Lecrae was a small... Life changed. Stone was rolled away in his life because he surrendered fully to Christ. He surrendered fully to to Jesus in his life. Paul the Apostle said, Dear friends, God is good, so I beg you to offer your bodies to him as a living sacrifice, pure and pleasing. That's the most sensible way to serve God. The rest of your life can be the best of your life if you make the choice. But you must make the choice. 
God's offered this gift. God's laid out a plan. God said, there is a way for the stones of your life to be rolled away. But you must choose. You must choose to believe that God is for you. God is good. He is a good father. He's created you. He's made you. He loved you. As a matter of fact, Isaiah says, when you're down in the dumps, he'll be there for you. When you go through the most difficult, trying times in your life, if you've made him your God, he'll be with you. He'll be with you. Listen, you're not on your own. My wife and I, starting off our married life, didn't know what our next step was. And I remember thinking back, if I didn't know God, if I didn't have a relationship with God, I don't know what I would have done. We moved to a new city. We lived in Seattle. And I remember we, we, one night I came home and she was working at a job and they weren't paying her and things weren't going well. And we got down on our knees together and we prayed. And we asked God to direct our lives. You know what we did? We said, God, we surrender to you. And you know what happened? The next day, the next day, I got a job. The very next day. I mean, it was amazing. And within the next couple of days, my wife got a job. Our whole world completely turned around. I said, well, that could happen to anybody. But I can tell you, I know that I know that I know that nothing happened until I fully surrendered to him. Until I fully surrendered to him. So you believe that he's your creator. So what do we do tonight? How do we deal with this? You've got to make a choice. Joshua in the Old Testament, the Bible says that he stood before the people and they were in the valley of decision. Maybe some of you here tonight, you're in a valley of decision. I mean, you're hearing me, and yeah, but you know, what about this? No, no, no. Tonight, you've got to make a decision. You've got to make a decision about where you are in your relationship with God. Have you fully surrendered your life completely to Him? Or are you still trying to do it on your own? You're still trying to work it on your own power. Listen, you might be a believer. I mean, as a Christian, this is a temptation for all of us to think our problem's too big, our challenge is too strong, too impossible. I want you to know God is for you tonight. You must make a decision. Choose you this day, So Joshua said. Listen, you've got to choose. Choose today whether you're going to serve God or not serve God. The choice is up to you. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to bow your heads tonight. I'm going to first ask if there's someone here tonight. You're here tonight, and you know you've never surrendered your life to Christ. You've never surrendered your life to Christ. Our worship team is coming. God's for you tonight. If you're a Christian in this room, I need you to pray with me. Some friends that are here tonight that are going to make a decision. Make a decision in just a moment. So you must surrender your life fully to Him. And then we're going to challenge you to do something else. We're going to challenge you to confess it with your mouth. I'm going to ask you to pray a prayer. And in that prayer, you're going to admit that you're powerless. You're going to admit that you're powerless to move the stones of your life. Whatever is hindering, whatever is keeping you from having that full relationship with God. And then tonight, you're going to ask Him to come live in your life and your heart. So you're here tonight. The first invitation that I'm going to give is to those you know that you never surrender your life to Christ. If you're here tonight, I want to count to three. I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three. Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. I see hands up. I see that hand. 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 
you're here tonight and you know, you know, you, you prayed a prayer. Maybe you walked with the Lord before, before, but you've drifted from Him. You've drifted from Him and you've been trying to do this on your own. You know, you know in your mind, you say you love God, but you know the things that you're doing are the things that please Him. And your life is missing it. Your life is missing it. There's stones that are in your way. And tonight you're ready to come back. You're ready to come back. The Father and all the angels of heaven are ready to cheer you on home. And you're here tonight. Maybe you've said that prayer. You've made a decision in the past, but today you know you need to get your life right with Christ. If that's you tonight, when I count to three, I want you to raise your hand. One, two, three, right now. All across this room. And all across this room. Thank you, Jesus. Put your hands down. Can we stand together tonight? raised your hand. I need you to help me tonight because, listen, we want to follow up tonight. We want to follow up with you tonight. We, we want to encourage you with a phone call. We're not going to put any pressure on you tonight, but I want you tonight to know that we care. More importantly, God cares. And we believe that God has the power to change your life. As the same Spirit of God that raised Jesus from the dead, He will change your reality. He will change your world. Stones, obstacles, problems, things that you thought were impossible. God will move in your life if you surrender fully to Him. We're all going to pray this prayer tonight. I want everyone here to repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I surrender my life to You. And I'm asking You tonight to come into my heart and to change my life. I admit, Lord Jesus, that I am powerless. There are stones in my life. There are things that have blocked me. There are things that have kept me from receiving your goodness and your grace and your forgiveness. Come into my heart and change my life. I believe in you, Jesus. And I want to live for you all the days of my life. I ask this in your wonderful name. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Come on.